Well, hello. It's your girl, Keish, and her coffee. Say hello, coffee. Say hello. Yes, I'm here today. We're here today, and we're we're really excited, right? Because so far, I've been recording myself and, and having my little opinion about things, you know, and it seems that I'm getting a little bit of traction. I like it. I love it. Anybody who's willing to listen to what I have to say, I appreciate you deeply. And as things grow for me and evolve for me and things just, just expand, right? I'm going to continue to be grateful. This is a beautiful thing. Um, Today, I wanted to talk about How forgiveness is, if not the essential, is potentially one of the most essential things in healing. Um, and you ask, like, okay, so how do I heal? Like, I mean healing. I mean complete healing, right? Forgiveness. And you guys wonder, like, what does that mean? What does it mean to to forgive or to heal, right? It means to release yourself of the responsibility of holding someone accountable for their actions, right? It's not your responsibility. So I want to share my experience. And why forgiveness has really helped me feel a sense of release. Feel a sense of pride within myself and gratitude. My life experience, (laughs) I believe in very much aware. I mean, it's like my astrology tells me, my numerology tells me. That my life was meant to be tumultuous. It was meant to be, I guess for lack of a better word, chaotic. And there is great benefit in that, right? And so I've been able to alchemize my pain into purpose, into prosperity. As well as be that guiding light two women in most cases for me I don't really know any you know that's just an assumption for a younger generation you know naturally that's what my belief system is going to be but if I help women if I'm able to you know if if women that are in 30s and 40s and so on and so forth if 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 what I say resonates with them then great you know because ultimately for me this is a space where I am finding healing in in quieting my voice and being quiet which is a perfect example of the experience of forgiveness evolving into healing when it comes to my opinion about things um I have quite an opinion about things i believe that this is a god-given <laughs> ability that I have to a question the status quo 
as well as be that individual who seeks certain understanding, right? And so for my life for a very long time, like I have experienced a lot of things that honestly, in most cases, had the potential to break me, right? But it didn't. And I understand why now, right? Because of the work that I put into is that it wasn't meant to break me. It was meant to mold me and create me. And had I not understood or learned or desired to forgive, I don't believe that I would be aware of the benefit of my experiences, right? And so a perfect example of me deciding forgiveness and finding that that elevated space was when it came to my voice, my throat chakra, right? Okay, so a little bit of background story about me. You know, you know, you guys don't really, you know some things, but you don't know everything, right? So here it is. Um, as far as in career or um, career is concerned, right? I've been singing and dancing since before I can remember, right? I love both. I, lo- I want to say, I want to go on a limb and say I love both equally, Right? I love to dance. I love to sing. I love it. I love music. And I think it just boils down to just loving music so much that in any way that I can express my love, my appreciation for music, I'm going to do it. Okay? <laughs> that's just, that's me. That's my essence, right? So, music has always been a great part of my life. It has also been my sense of release, my sense of that quiet place, that that secret treasure, right? Because as I was growing up in my life, like I said, you know, my life was pretty chaotic, you know? I came up in a household with both parents. Um, my mom worked a lot. My dad worked a lot. Um, it was six of us in all. At one point, there were all six of us in the house. And then my oldest two brothers, they moved out. They kind of moved on. Um, so it was always in that household, four of us. Um, one of my older brothers, not my oldest brother, maybe the one right before me who's about six years older than me, made my life a living hell, okay? A living hell, like literally. Obviously, as a child, I didn't understand why it was that way. But as an adult, as I've healed and really gotten through a lot of my traumas and my problems and stuff, I realized that he was hurting as well. And We'll talk about that because I want to get into that because it has a lot to do with forgiveness. Okay, so long story short, music, dancing, singing, all that stuff was my was my hiding place. And so I was able to master those things because essentially, you know, my free time would consist of either I was going to be harassed or I was going to be somewhere hiding or somewhere dancing my little spirit out you know what I mean so it was something that became a part of my human experience right and so as I got older I just continued to love it I continued to express it that was my expression of self fast forward to maybe about middle school um 
my next door neighbor, um, she happened to love singing too. I was like, oh, this is a match made in heaven. Like we instantly clicked. We instantly, you know, just connected on that space. Um, at that time I was singing, um, my dad had, he was like a minister at a, the church was really small. Like it was us and maybe like two other members. Like that's how small it was. Right. And he was, would preach every Sunday and myself, my sister and my brother-in-law, we, my brother-in-law would like compose the music, um, and me and my sister would sing it. I mean, we were, we were amazing. We did. Oh man. That was my first music group. And, um, I might have to hit her up and ask, ask her what our name was, but that's where I was able to really like express myself and sing. I, I could dance. I could do all of that stuff. Cause the church was small. Like <laughs> nobody was really seeing me like that. So it wasn't, it wasn't problematic for me. It the shy girl, the shy kid, it, it continued to be my hiding place, even though I was performing at church. Right. Um, and then I got older and when I was in middle school, like I said, my neighbor, she was a singer. She loved music just like I love music and we just sing. And, and then she was friends with another girl who could blow and it's just like, whoa. So we essentially came four best friends in middle school and we were singing one, one, one of our friends, she wasn't a singer, but she was like, she was just like the name chick. Like she gave everybody names and we just enjoyed each other's company. It was beautiful. But also at that time, um, I didn't also realize like maybe there was something about me and my abilities that, you know, maybe intimidated my peers, right? And and that's the thing. Sometimes we don't understand when we don't see ourselves as a big deal, or if we experience something in our early childhood before we interact with our peers, we don't see ourselves as, as a big deal, as important. You know, and I can I can guarantee you I had no value, no personal value because of one, the experience, the things that I was going through with my brother, like it was it was chaotic in that experience. So there was a lot of self-esteem issues that I carried into my young adulthood, my childhood, just a lot. Right. And so essentially what what it made me was a victim, a victim of every circumstance. I was weak. You know, I wasn't very strong. I wasn't very self-confident. And that was no one's fault. However, I didn't get the reassurance of positive of positive feedback outside of my mom, which she worked a lot. You know what I mean? And so I didn't get a lot of attention. I mean, duh. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's six children. So, like... That was that was my reality. So music was my hiding place. I love music. I love singing. I love dancing. I love oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So continue on. You know, I'm doing the music thing, making the friends. Uh, we decide to do music. Uh, get a little bit older, high school, young teen, and we decide. Me and my neighbor, who I continue to be friends with, we decided to be a duo. Right a duet group a duo group two people whatever and our name was infamy at that time like now fast forward a little bit when I met her and I met the other friend who could sing amazing right 
um, the friend who could sing amazing. So my neighbor's name was LaShanta. And my other friend who could sing amazingly is Corey, right? So Corey, her cousin, um, was working, doing music. And she was working with, you know, engineers and, you know. And for me, as a young girl, I'm like, whoa, this is, this is amazing. This is a big deal, right? So this is why we're still in middle school. So she, um, she basically says, like, look, Corey says, I need a song. I need a song, an original song. Uh, yeah, I think y'all can like. You think you can write something like if it like let like let us put together something. Let's write it, right? So I say, oh wow, this this is an opportunity for me to be creative, right? In in my space of just loving music so much, it makes me emotional because I just remember that moment, right? I remember writing that first that very first song, and I remember that song to this day. <laughs> And the name of the song is Quiet Crush. And it just basically talked about a girl who had a crush on a guy and she fantasized about being with him and just being a part of his life. But it was just a dream. It was just a fantasy. (laughs) And mind you, my little 12, 13-year-old self don't know nothing about this stuff, but I wrote a whole entire song, which she recorded. That was like, (laughs) that was the most amazing experience for me because that was my first song. So guess what I became? I became the natural songwriter, the natural poet. And it's it's crazy because that wasn't me at all. Like before that, I just loved to sing. Like I just loved to to dance. I just loved that. But I was challenged to see how much I loved it. And I wrote to the occasion. So I wrote Quiet Crush. And that song was the song. So fast forward, you know, into our teenage years and that's when um, Yelashanta decided to be infamy. <laughs> I looked up the word infamy recently, and I was like, dang, that's what we was calling ourselves? That was really funny. <laughs> Anyways, there was always this air about us being, quote-unquote, um, Destiny's Child, right? And so, because we would be that, that trio when we were in middle school. Corey would more so be Kelly, right? Because she was darker skin she could she could see right she could get the notes and then LaShanta was considered Beyonce because she loved her some Beyonce oh my goodness couldn't nobody tell her nothing about Beyonce she loves her some Beyonce (laughs) probably still to do to this day I love me some Beyonce too though but her love was totally deep (laughs) and at that time when we would compare ourselves I would be compared to Michelle (laughs) now when we talk about that group as a whole like we really when we would talk like that, we would basically say, like, Kelly and Michelle, I mean, Kelly and Beyonce were the singers, and Michelle was just kind of like who she was, right? So I would get those. And because of my self esteem, because I didn't value myself for real, I wasn't like, nah, uh uh-uh, uh, I ain't no Michelle. I'm a, I'm a Kelly too, or I'm a Beyonce too. We're gonna have two Beyonce's and two Kelly's up in this thing. Y'all tripping, right? I would always take the back seat. I would always take take that role while my love and my fire for music was so much brighter. And I'm not going to say it than theirs because I don't know. But it was so much brighter than the, the, the space that I was put in, that I allowed myself to be put in. Now, in my Christian music, in my Christian group, with my sister and my brother-in-law, I was a lead singer most of the time. 
But with my friends, I was pretty much background, right? <laughs> and then at the time, you know, you you take it personally. You feel some type of way. You like, dang, why I gotta be the background? Why I gotta be on it? Like, what? Wait, I'm being compared to a non-original member of the group. Like, dang, y'all doing me like that? But that was my decision, right? And because I had so many victimizing situations and experiences, it was natural and easy for me to be the victim or to be the underhand in that situation. And so it carried with me. Um, I wrote beautiful poetry. I even had, like, when I was writing my poetry, I had, a, like, I don't even have it to this day. Um, I had a girl that was also, like, in the friend group. And stayed in the neighborhood with the fourth girl I was friends with, Kendris. She pretty much stole all my poems. So I ended up, and that was the type of person I was. Like, I was so used to allowing myself to be the underhand, to be the weaker version or be the victim. And I would find myself just being angry and holding grudges, Right? Because I was feeling like, dang, like, y'all just put me in this this uncreative position. Like, I'm just really, like, music is not a love for me. And so, I began to become resentful. Fast forward a little bit. Um, I'm still popping my ish with music. And at this time, I'm in high school. And I'm attending Cedar Grove. I find out in high school <laughs> that my cousin me and my cousin Daryl were related I ne- it's, it's so weird like <laughs> I don't remember hanging out with him as a kid like he was like always gone like at practice or doing something when I would visit my auntie and so I never really knew who he was what he looked like and then one day um, he was at a barbecue for our uncle Charles and he was sitting on the couch and I walked in and I was like, we go to school together. And he was like, yeah, yeah, we go to school together. And I was like, oh, okay, so we cousins. Honestly, y'all, that was one of the best days of my life. I love my cousin Daryl. Like, he's like a brother to me. That is one of my favorite people in the world. I need to call him today because he out today, but... He one of my favorite people. And from that moment, we clicked, right? And at that time, he was very popular in school. He was also doing music. And he was associated, um, affiliated with um, Doc Jam, who is a music producer who produced music for Crime Mob. And so, okay, so, oh, man, this is, like, one of probably the most exciting parts of my life because I was moving at my own pace. I was building relationships and making friends on my own. And I thought that was so dope. At the time, you know, I was still very close and best friends with LaShanta. And we were still doing our little thing, you know. But it wasn't really, we wasn't really like no, like, doing it hard, right? We was doing it for ourselves, right? We love music. We loved it. So we was doing it um, when we could. Um, she had she had access more to people wanting to record her and work with her because she was just more out there and she just had connections. Me, I was kind of starting with myself. I didn't really have a lot of connections. So my cousin was that connection for me. So long story short, um, 
we meet and I'm just like, okay, that's that's dope. So he introduces me to Doc and Doc Jam and Doc's like, you know, you want to be affiliated with with Crime Mob. I mean, not Crime Mob. I'm tripping. Uh, 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 Shotgun Nation, <laughs> right? So I'm like, yeah, like it's okay. So you know, he's like, I want you to meet. Manda, Big Manda. I'm like, okay, cool. He give me her album. I'm like, oh, okay. So she doing her thing. She can rap. You know, I'm excited. So I meet her, and we hang. We we hit it off. Everybody hit it off. We cool, right? There is a song that Doc wants me and Lashanta to get on, right? A few little words. Ain't nothing like a George girl. And we say that. He records it. Everybody get on it. Boom. The song gets out. People starting to hear it. And I'm like, wow, okay, I'm excited. And long story short, it ended up putting us in a space where we became a girl music group um, called the Georgia Girls. And... It was so dope. Like, initially, it was, like, almost everybody who was on the song, which that was just going to be a lot. And then it, it it shrunk down to four of us. And, no, like, I think six and then down to four. Um, and I was asked by Amanda to be a part of the group. And I'm like, yeah, you know, my passion is music. I, it's whatever. Like, I'm really committed to this. So, you couldn't tell me that music wasn't going to be my career path. Like, that's how much I love music. Still writing songs. <coughs> Excuse me. Still just putting all of my energy and my heart into the development of my voice in music. Um, And it, I just felt amazing, right? And we were able to really get recognized. Manda was really putting in that work, you know. And we got signed to Rock Harder Records. And DJ T-Rock um, is a, an Atlanta-based uh, DJ, V103. And he signed us. And we had, you know, a manager. And it was dope. Like, we were traveling. We were opening for the Nappy Roots. It was really amazing. Just that one experience of just loving music so much and writing a song. Just going on that path, that 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 loving path to music that really exposed me and brought me to spaces and places that had I not just pushed myself and really showed my love for music and not been afraid how far I got me. So at the time we were traveling, um, LaShanta was pregnant. She was getting ready to have her baby. So she wasn't there as much for the shows. And I was there. Right, and I was doing all my things, supporting it, but it was the energy, it was the air there that was just very negative. Like, and I was even told, like she was saying, like she always wants something that I have, and it's just like, wow, like I never knew that that was the idea. You know, I thought we were a team. You know, I thought we had each other's backs, but you learn that when you have a light within you. Regardless of what people have, they can they can have more than you. They can be more talented and better than you, but they're intimidated by that light. They're intimidated by who you innately are, and that's something that you can't fix for them. Only they can be indifferent to that. Only they can learn to love that about you and not feel intimidated or feel like 
like crazy about it. The long story short, um, I was we were really elevating, really getting out there, like really being a getting known, like, and at that time, I get pregnant, and I'm pregnant with my oldest son, and at that moment, it was no question, like, I'm having this baby, right, and I believe, like, shoot, like, we held her down, we held Lashanta down, you know, yeah, like, they, they'll do the same for me, you know what I'm saying, like, it's cool, like, I work, until you know I start showing and then when I start showing like I could you know I didn't realize I was disposable and not only was I disposable like where they were saying like girl look we like where they came to me as friends first right as quote-unquote sisters, right? Because we had this relationship. We had these relationships before this music group, before these... Well, not me and Amanda and Jolly, because Jolly is also a part of that group, it, but me and Lashanta. So for me, it was like, dang, like, we go back to middle school. Like, you never thought about letting me know that, you know, girl, no, we not, we not finna wait for you. But that wasn't how it went, Right? I was told by our manager at the time that I was no longer in the group. And at the time, you know, because I was so used to being hurt or whatever, right? Because <laughs> when I say that, I'm like, child, you allowed yourself that. But I was hurt. And I blocked everybody and moved on resentment you know for so long literally for years many years I'm talking about after having children all that I just I never talked about being in the group um and people know of the group they're like you in Georgia girls yeah but I felt betrayed because I thought we had we we have we were we were more than that right so years go by uh, we reconnect again, and they're trying to do the music again. And because I wasn't aware of my my anger or my resentment or, like, the things that I held over them, I, we continued on, right? But I struggled, like, crazy okay to write a song I couldn't get a song I couldn't get a song to save my life I could write nothing I I could not make no type of contribution music when I would write it and when I could write it used to come and flow so easily right but that was because I was healed in that space it wasn't until I was betrayed right or felt betrayed, that I held that grudge, held those resentment, all that resentment, all that that sadness, that anger, being the lower the lower hand, all that victimization, holding on to that that stagnated. Listen to me, y'all. It stagnated and corroded my creativity and my ability 
to express myself through loving music. It had gotten to a point where even just singing and I sing, I still sing to other people's music. Have I written a song? It's been years. I have one song that I will I wrote. It was a while ago. It was um a few years ago, but it was about, you know, when I was going through my divorce with my first husband. So, you know, it was it didn't it didn't represent, you know, the empowered version of myself now. Like I have sat down on so many occasions, right? And writer's block, stagnation, lack of creativity. And it made me sad because I love music so much that it was so easy. It was easy to drop something quick because that's my self-expression. But I made a conscious effort to silence myself. Unconscious, rather. An unconscious effort to silence myself. And so creativity started in that area. And so I wanted to talk about that story in particular because when you go through stuff and people tend to just do you how you do yourself, right? Or do you treat you on what you allow? What happens is You cut off all good, all positive that could come from that thing. I resented those girls for a long time. And I forgive them. I forgive them now. I'm I'm grateful for the experiences. I'm grateful for just being a part of all of it. It was beautiful. It was amazing. And I do believe that I always had that gift. But it's important to forgive. Because that's that's how I can heal that. That is how I can heal the wound that I have in my creativity. By forgiveness. So essentially forgiveness isn't for them. You know... We talked on and off and on, you know, at one point, um, Jolly was the most recent, but I tried to like, you know, be friends with with Shanta again, kind of just like let a lot of our relationship that had transpired go, which honestly, now I definitely have, I don't have no, like if she was like, oh man, hey girl. But as far as like our lifestyles and our spaces in life, like we're not the same and it, there's really no judgment so I don't even know like if it would make a difference you know she would probably be more prone to saying like mm, I'm a fall back off you know because for me I'm learning unconditional love for everyone and so she's gonna be all of them they're gonna be presented with unconditional love but they're gonna be presented with unconditional love and boundaries right because the the Keisha who I've developed into and grown into is the one who is going to set boundaries. Who's going to set boundaries around my energy. Who's going to set boundaries around my light. Because if my light isn't light bright and it's dim. And I'm doing myself an injustice. And the, the reality is that you, you it's important to go through life with a forgiver's attitude because that's the only way 
that you find the best possible result. For me, forgiveness in in that space when it comes to my love for music and just putting myself out there and and it going how it it went was forgive yourself for not thinking you're a big deal. I'm a big deal. I get sick and tired of holding it in. <laughs> that's how life goes. So that's where I'm at. I encourage everyone, man, to forgive. Forgive, man. Forgive to find your healing. You know, that story is simple. It's it's nothing major, right? But it, it made it made an adverse response to my life. You know, something that I love before I even met these relationships, before I even had these relationships became distant to me became strange to me because I allow unforgiveness and resentment suppression of, suppressing those feelings I allowed that to stagnate and quote unquote writers block me and we no longer living in that space I'm grateful for them I'm grateful for that lesson of seeing oh Keisha hey hey baby you not appreciating yourself you not valuing yourself in your creativity it's not up for them to do that and so in forgiving them I also take accountability and realize like it's on me it's on me so yeah man it's been real appreciate you guys for joining me um, at the end of this episode, I'm going to also share my, my most recent recorded song called Hero. Jokes on me. Actually, Jokes on Me. That's the name of the song. Um, but it was, uh, I, see, that was that's another situation where I allow myself to be the underhand. I wrote the song, but I allowed me to, 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 to title it, which the song is not called Hero. The song is called Jokes on Me. Um... But yeah, I'm gonna play it at the end of this episode. And it's been real, man. I'm pretty sure. Hold up, let me check. Hmm. It ain't too cold, but it's one of them thermal cups. So it's gonna be like that. But it's been real, y'all. Appreciate y'all listening. Listening to my story. Being a part of my journey. And I'm hoping that my words and my experiences can help telling you whatever it is I don't care how treacherous forgive it's like your heal baby alright peace Now I'm losing my
my sanity Now I have to face the truth Cause I I was looking for a hero I was looking for somebody to save me And do what they said they do But the joke's on me On me On me The joke's on me On me On me I was looking for a hero I was looking for somebody to save me and do what they said they do. But the joke's on me, on me, on me. The joke's on me, on me, on me. Yeah. So take it easy. Yeah, baby, it could all be easy. I've been looking for a love that'll last long. And these niggas out here looking like they need me. Won't cheat, won't lie, won't leave me. Bullshit, niggas change like seasons. Nowadays, they don't even need a reason. Have a down, bitch, and still be creeping. Huh, every summer. So I change up niggas every summer. Said fuck a hero. Now I'm looking for a come up. In Phillips Plaza every weekend getting done up. Lately I've been all about a check that I can run up. Didn't lose much but some clothes and a hunger. Yeah, I lost my mind to a bitch made a come up. Yeah, I lost my mind to a bitch made a come up. What's up? I was looking for a hero. I was looking for somebody to save me and do what they said they do. But the joke's on me. On me. On me, the joke's on me, on me, on me. I was looking for a hero. I was looking for somebody to save me and do what they said they do. But the joke's on me, on me, on me. The joke's on me, on me, on me. Yeah, I'm fighting my demons. Trying to keep my composure And just let it be Funny how things change Now I'm feeling so weak I just can't believe you would ever Really do this to me I was fighting for us But I lost that fight All the tears I cried at night Hoping that you would stay in my life I never really thought That I would say goodbye But it's time to let it go I was looking for somebody to save me and do what they said they do. But the joke's on me, on me, on me. The joke's on me, on me, on me. On me. On me. On me.